Okay, so it's time for our Bible reading and we're going to be in the beginning of Luke's Gospel today. So Luke chapter 1 verses 1 to 4. Let's listen to these verses being read. Luke chapter 1 verses 1 to 4. Dedication to Theophilus. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. You know, I'm not a very disciplined person, particularly when it comes to things like uh, eating healthily consistently or doing exercise consistently. Um, occasionally, over the last years, there's been a couple of times when some madness has come upon me and I've thought, I know I'm going to try exercising regularly. But what happens is I'll, I'll go for a run, my legs will start hurting, I won't be able to breathe, and I'll go, I can't remember why I was doing this. This was a terrible idea and I'll revert to type. And um, one of my kids became a vegan for 12 hours, which sounds impressive until he got to breakfast time and he realised that he couldn't have milk in his cereal and then he was done. It was like, I can't remember why I was doing this. I, I, I wasn't deeply persuaded enough. And I've been a Christian long enough to realise that um, it takes a deep conviction to keep going with some of the things to do with the Christian faith. You know, it gets hard. Doubts come in, fears come in, obstacles happen, disappointments happen. All of these things can knock us off course unless we are deeply persuaded, convinced, certain about the things that we've believed. And Luke says in the verses that we've just read, right at the beginning of Luke's gospel, he says, I've written this that you might have certainty. And there's certainty about a whole load of things. I, I, you know, there's been times when I'm absolutely convinced that God heals the sick through prayer. I'm persuaded for miracles and there could be weeks or even months when whenever someone says they're sick, I'm like, I'm in, I'm going to pray. And we've seen some incredible things happen. But I, then, then you hit a couple of disappointments or you pray for people that don't get better. And that deep conviction can wobble sometimes. It can be the same about a, a commitment to prayer or a commitment to social justice and, and serving the poor. Uh, it, there must be a deep certainty in us if we're going to keep going through all the things that might distract or frustrate or disappoint or become obstacles to us. And so in these verses, what we read is that Luke addresses this book, the Gospel of Luke, to Theophilus. And he calls him most excellent Theophilus. And that's how you would address a government official in the Roman Empire. So Theophilus is obviously a, an influential, wealthy guy, in, a minister in the government. And he's, he's sponsored Luke. He's commissioned Luke. He's paid for him to go and research, to travel to the Holy Land, to move around interviewing people and to capture all this material about the life of Jesus 
and then to write it in a book and submit it to Theophilus. And, and there was this window of opportunity in the late 50s, early 60s AD, when a lot of the eyewitnesses, the people that had seen Jesus in the flesh, who'd eaten with him and talked to him and been healed by him, were still alive. And it's a window of opportunity because they're all getting older. And Theophilus has come to faith, but he said, I, Luke, I want you to go do the research, travel around, uh, interview lots of people, and then write it all down in an orderly way. Why Luke? Why would he commission Luke to do this? Well, Luke, as we know from the, from the Bible, was a doctor. So he was highly educated. This book is written in excellent Greek. So he's very articulate, very intelligent, scientific, logical guy. And Theophilus thinks that's who I want. I want that kind of diligent, conscientious, detailed person to go and do this research. And also Luke has a connection with Paul. He's been traveling with Paul. He's got an introduction to the apostles. So he's got a way in to go and interview the apostles who were still alive and ask them about Jesus. And so Luke would have spent years traveling around, going from village to village, interviewing people. I heard that in this village, Jesus healed someone. Uh, can I interview that person? Can I talk to the other villagers? Can I get some eyewitness testimony and capture it? Can we corroborate it with other people that saw the event? He even goes and interviews Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, and asks her. And, you know, you can imagine the question. So, Mary, uh, seriously, an angel appeared to you and told you that you were going to be pregnant with God and your first reaction was a song. Mm, really? And, um, and so Luke says here, I've done this work and it would have been expensive. It would have cost lots and lots and lots of money to, to fund this piece of research. And Theophilus says, I'm going to pay for this. And then Luke says, I've compiled a narrative. And then in verse three, he says, I've written an orderly account. So consecutive, chronological, systematic, well-researched historically positioned. Luke is the only one of the four Gospels that really goes big on the kind of historical positioning. You know, Herod was the king here and this Caesar was in play and it was this year. And um, one source from 100 years later says that Luke never took a wife, never fathered children. He was so invested in this work, he gave his life to it. He died at age 84, which was twice the life expectancy at that time. So we know he was a good doctor because he obviously looked after himself well. He's buried in Ephesus. If you go to Ephesus in Turkey, you will see Luke's grave there. And so he's someone who used his, his gifts, his considerable intellect and education for the cause of Jesus. Uh, he wrote Luke and Acts. It's kind of part one and part two. Luke is the biography of Jesus. Acts is then the biography of the church. Uh, so between these two books, that's most of the New Testament that Luke is responsible for. Maybe AD 62 for Luke and AD 63 for Acts. It's the longest gospel of all of the gospels. Uh, to sit down and read it from beginning to end might take you two hours if you kind of read without a break. Um, and about half of Luke's gospel is direct quotes from Jesus. So if you want to know what Jesus said, read Luke's gospel. And, uh, and there's, there, there's probably 41 bits of Luke that don't appear in any of the other gospels, Matthew, Mark, or John. Uh, they're unique to Luke's gospel. Things like the parable of the Good Samaritan, the parable of the prodigal son, some of these famous things, they're only in Luke. 
At this point, Mark's already been written. Paul's earliest letters have already been written, but Luke sets out to write this big, historical, comprehensive biography of the story of Jesus, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. Theophilus, his sponsor, this name actually means lover of God. And so Luke writes to Theophilus and he says, so you may be certain of the things that you've been taught, uh, but actually uh, anyone who loves God can read this book and be certain of the things that we've been taught. Ambrose in the fourth century said, if you love God, this book was written to you. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to take a journey through Luke. We won't be able to do all of it, but we're going to try and choose some miracle stories, some bits of teaching, some bits of narrative, and, 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 and take a journey through the book of Luke, believing that God will speak into our lives through this amazing uh, book. And there's lots of areas that we can get certainty about from this book. And I wonder, what, what are your doubts? What are your questions? What are the, the things that you wrestle with between kind of faith and logic or between kind of confidence and fear? What are the, what are the places where you wobble in your faith, where you start and then you pull back? Our prayer is that certainty would come to all of us in deeper ways, not just brain certainty, but deep soul certainty, uh, certainty deep in who you are about the love, the grace, the acceptance of God, that God is for you, that he loves you, that he came into the world to save people like me and people like you. And so there's many different uh, aspects to certainty. Firstly, Luke will give us certainty about the story of Jesus. We're going to meet eyewitnesses to the virgin birth, that most controversial of miracles. Eyewitnesses to the miracles. You know, Jesus raised a widow's son from the dead in the middle of a funeral. There were people that saw it. Luke went and interviewed them. Were you there? Did you see it? Let me get your testimony down. There are eyewitnesses to the arrest and the trial and the death of Jesus. There are people who saw him die and saw him buried. And then also eyewitnesses to the resurrection. And then even the ascension of Jesus back into heaven. People saw that. Luke interviewed them. He captured it. He wrote it down. These things happened in real history, in real time, in real places, villages with different names, uh, people with different names. And Luke captured it all for us. Secondly, certainty about the teaching of Jesus. Luke spends a lot of time capturing the, the teaching of Jesus, the parables, the stories, the ways that he taught. And what we need to understand is that in an oral culture, and at that time, only 10% of the empire could read and write. And um, in Palestine, it was probably even lower than that. Very few people were literate. In an oral culture, people had an incredible ability to retain stories and teaching word for word. There were systems and techniques for actually capturing content word for word and then reciting it, passing it on. And in verse 2, 
Luke says this, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. And this word delivered them, it's a technical phrase for the, the handing down of oral tradition as authoritative teaching. And so people have heard Jesus teach and then they've captured those stories in their memory, remembered them, told them to other people. And so we could be confident, actually, that the transmission of the teaching of Jesus is very accurate. And when Luke then captures it and writes it down, that these really are the things that the historical Jesus said and did and taught. They were corroborated, they were written down accurately and in a systematic way for us to study and have confidence in. Thirdly, you can have a certainty about the reasonableness of your faith. You know, if you care about facts and evidence and a reasonable faith, you're going to love Luke. He's a scientist, he's a doctor, he's a man of medicine. Our, our faith is not a philosophical system, it's a historical reality. Theophilus is asking Luke to check the facts. That's why he asked Luke, because he's a scientist. Today, there could be this uh, portrayal of a conflict between science and faith, but as if faith was somehow unreasonable. But Luke says, actually, I've done this so that you might have certainty, so that your faith can be confident in the facts. There's a lot of arrogant people that say things to me like, uh, I don't really believe it. It's not true. Really? Have you travelled around all the villages for years and interviewed the eyewitnesses and talked to them, uh, interviewed Mary, uh, corroborated the facts and then come to that conclusion? Because that's what Luke did. What's your evidence for not believing something that was so thoroughly researched and documented? Remember, there was a lot on the line for the early Christians. You may say, haha, they were subjective and I'm objective. But most early Christians lost their lives because of their faith. They lost everything, their jobs, their families, and many imprisoned and killed for their faith. Theophilus, as a Roman uh, governor, has enough at stake that he's prepared to invest heavily to get the facts. They didn't have the luxury of subjectivity. If you're going to get killed for this, you need to make sure that it's true. They needed to be sure, they needed to be certain, they needed to be persuaded. You're not going to lay down your life for something that may or may not have really happened. And so they were committed to objectivity and to facts. Fourthly, we can get a certainty about God's love for the marginalised. You know, when we read Luke, what we're going to see is Jesus seems to had this magnetism towards the poor, the downtrodden, the, the disadvantaged, the disenfranchised, often towards women or outsiders, Samaritans, that despised kind of people. And, and so we see here God's commitment to justice. I just want to read this uh, quote uh, from a, a South American theologian. He says, Luke points out that God has a special love for the poor and the marginalized, including the fragile, those on the periphery, the needy and the destitute, the ragged of the world and the nobodies that predominant society has condemned to social ostracism and the basement of history. That's Dario Lopez Rodriguez from Peru. So if you're poor, you're going to love Luke. 
But fifthly, also, we can have certainty about God's love for the wealthy or the educated as well. If you're wealthy, educated, you're also going to love Luke. Theophilus is a powerful, rich guy paying another educated guy to go and research and write the book. Luke was a highly educated doctor, a very privileged position. And so we see God loves the poor, but also God loves uh, the wealthy as well. Uh, when Jesus comes into Jericho in chapters 18 and 19, he heals the blind beggar, but then also he reaches out to Zacchaeus, the tax collector. So oppressed and oppressor are both welcomed by Jesus in Jericho. At the cross, we have both a thief and a Roman centurion professing their faith as they watch Jesus die as both. Sixthly, you can have certainty about actually God's love for women. In what was a patriarchal society, Luke has an unusual emphasis on Jesus's uh, movement towards women. If you're a woman, you're going to love Luke. Uh, many of the stories throughout Luke actually come in male and female pairings. There's at least 27 times in Luke and maybe more where you have the same kind of teaching expressed for men and expressed for women. For example, right at the beginning, both Zechariah and Mary see an angel and then express that in a song. In several places, like in chapter four, you have the healing of a man and then a healing of the woman. It's as if to say God doesn't just heal men, he also heals ladies. In chapter 13, the kingdom is described as a farmer sowing seed, which is a man's world, and then yeast into dough, which was a woman's world. In chapter 15, we, we read about a lost coin in a house, which was a woman's world, and then a lost sheep in a field, which was a man's world, and even witnesses to the resurrection. We have both men and women. It's as though Luke wants to make it really clear as he studies the life of Jesus that Jesus wasn't prioritizing one gender over the other, but that there was this massive emphasis uh, that God loves women as well. Number seven, uh, certainty about the power of of prayer. If you're into prayer, if you want to be persuaded about the power of prayer, you're going to love Luke. There's a lot of praying and a lot of power. Number eight, certainty about the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you need to be persuaded that the Holy Spirit is for us today, is active, is powerful, is involved in our lives, you're going to love Luke because the Holy Spirit pops up all over the place doing wonderful and exciting things. Number nine, certainty about God's ability and desire to heal the sick. If you're interested in praying for the sick, if you care about seeing the power of God come into broken bodies, you're going to love Luke. You know, some Christians actually, they're so into healing that they'll say, look, actually, because God does miracles, don't go to the doctor, don't take your medicine, just pray. Well, the, the problem with that, and they'll point you to stories in Luke or in Acts and say, see, God does miracles. Yeah, but Luke was a doctor. The guy that wrote it was a doctor. He didn't stop being a doctor when he became a Christian. He still believed in medicine. And so we believe in miraculous healing, but also we go to the doctor and we take our medicine and we do what we're told. And finally, we want you to have a certainty. I, I believe God wants you to have a certainty that God loves you. That though we're weak and we keep wandering off the path and veering away, we keep falling over on our faces in the mud, we keep sinning, we keep reverting, we keep messing up, we keep failing, 
actually God loves weak people and God loves you and God loves me and Jesus came for people like us and Jesus he says his mission statement in Luke 19 and verse 10 he says the son of man came to seek and save the lost so why did Jesus come into our world to look for lost people and to find them and to save them and God is seeking you and God wants to save you and we can be certain about that and we want you to be certain that that is true because it's hard following Jesus and we need to be deeply deeply persuaded of his love and of his grace so this is all written down that you may have certainty and I just want to ask a couple of questions by way of closing in what areas do you lack certainty if it's around some of the central tenets of the faith was Jesus real can we trust the Bible did he really die did he rise again then we suggest you go on the alpha course which is starting in a few weeks time we're going to be running an alpha online exploring those questions looking at evidence alpha was written by a lawyer and it's committed to researching the evidence if you've got questions around personal freedom you know how can I be sure that I can get free from this habitual sin or this way of thinking or this kind of habit that I've got stuck in how can I get free we suggest you go on the freedom in Christ course we're running one this term as a life group you can sign up you can go along you can know and in a certain way the freedom of the Holy Spirit maybe you lack certainty around healing or prayer or the Holy Spirit or justice God's love for the poor ask God to persuade you as we read and study together uh, if you've never joined a life group you could join one of our classic life groups and in those life groups there's preaching on Sunday where we'll look at stuff from Luke but then in those life groups there'll be a chance to bash it around and talk it out in a smaller group of people we encourage you to explore these truths so that you can be persuaded but I think the other question to ask just at the end here is who else can you help towards certainty? You know, Jesus has come that all people might have certainty. And if you feel confident and strong, then who can you reach out to? Is there someone that you're praying for? Is there someone that you could invite on Alpha or that you could invite to follow these talks through over the next uh, few Sundays? Uh, who could you give a book to or reach out to? Is there someone that you could, you know, these stories were captured by being passed on from person to person. And that's how the Christian faith has grown over the years. People have said, I've experienced this. Let me tell you about it. And I pray that God gives all of us opportunities this week to do exactly that. I've experienced this. Why don't I tell you about it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus coming to seek and save the lost. I thank you that you're looking for us. I thank you for the way that you save us in so many ways. I pray that each one of us would be increasingly confident 
increasingly persuaded and certain of your deep, deep love and acceptance and the truth of Jesus Christ in your mighty name. Amen.